Good morning, Dad. Whew, 9.30 came to worship this morning. God, because you are so worthy. You are so worthy of our worship, God. You are so worthy of our praise and so much infinitely more. God, this morning we acknowledge that we are not enough. We are not enough, but you are. Thank you, God, that you meet us here. You have plans for us today. And we get to walk in it. We get to enjoy your presence. We get to enjoy your plans. And we get to rest in your love. God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you so much for your church that we get to be a part of, your family here on earth. God, I pray that you would speak through me this morning, that you would touch the hearts of each and every one of us in this room, that we would leave here changed and different, for your glory and for our good. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs and mark, to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vaults of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. When's the last time you looked up? When's the last time you looked up? For as long as I can remember, I have had a love for all things astronomy, the stars, the night sky. I've always been mystified and captivated by outer space. I was the only kid in my friend group that had a favorite constellation, uh, Orion, in case you're wondering. Uh, it's in the winter sky. I'm a December birthday, so there's a connection there. Uh, he's easy to find, and he's a hunter, very manly, right? Growing up, my dad and I would watch the Starship Enterprise to explore strange new worlds and seek out new life and new civilizations on episodes of Star Trek. Uh, I can't speak for him, but I'm definitely Team Picard, and that probably means nothing to most of you. Uh, in high school, I took two years of astronomy 
partly because of a great teacher, Mr. Robinette. And in college, I took astronomy with a lab and had so much fun exploring the galaxies with telescopes. This love for the night sky is something that my wife Dawn and I share. The night of our engagement included a trip to the Hallstrom Planetarium down at the community college. And uh, we, for the life of me, I cannot remember what the show was about that night because I was just on cloud nine, right? She had said yes. Don and I have spent many nights together staring up at the cosmos, looking for shooting stars, pointing out constellations. One of our bucket list trips is to go to a dark sky park like Big Bend in Texas, or hopefully soon we'll be able to make it out to the Grand Canyon. Dark sky parks are parks or preserves that are designated as being some of the darkest places in the U.S. They are intentionally protected from light pollution and they produce some of the most stunning views of the night sky. On a clear night, you can see the band of the Milky Way galaxy that looks much like that. It's our little neck of the woods here in the universe. To get the best views of the stars, though, you have to go a little bit further than a dark sky park. You need to get out into outer space. We accomplished that back in 1990 with this guy, the Hubble Space Telescope. Over the last 30 years, Hubble has produced some of the most stunning views of distant stars and nebulas and galaxies. There's a new kid on the block in the space telescope world, though. On Christmas Day last year, the James Webb Space Telescope was launched into orbit with a mission to produce some of the most clear images of deep space. Recently, images from the James Webb Space Telescope were released to the public and as you can see, they are breathtaking. These are just a few of the images, and we're going to take a look at some of them here in a few moments. Just by these images alone, I think we can all agree that the heavens above us are beautiful. Some of the most beautiful images and vibrant colors are found in nebula that we'll never get to physically, but that we can see through telescopes. Whether it's colorful nebula, ringed planets, or spiral galaxies, the heavens above us are beautiful. The heavens above us are not only beautiful, but they're functional as well. The stars have been used for centuries to guide sailors and travelers before the invention of GPS and Google Maps that we use today, right? Some of us better than others. For thousands of years, man has looked to the sky, looked to the stars for guidance. This is what I want us to do this morning. Let's take a little journey and look at God's creation in the heavens and see what they have to teach us this morning and how they connect with God's word. The first stop on our journey this morning is at our neighbor down the street. This is Jupiter, not the town in South Florida, right? This is the largest planet in our solar system. Jupiter is what's known as a gas giant. When I say giant, I mean giant, huge. Jupiter is twice as big as all of the other planets combined. That's huge. I'll give you some scale. If Earth were the size of a grape, Jupiter would be a basketball. Earlier, I said that Jupiter is our neighbor down the street, and that's true, but it's true only in astronomical terms. Jupiter is 400 million miles away. 
Some of you this morning are probably wishing that your neighbor was 400 million (laughs) miles away. One of Jupiter's most well-known features is that large spot that you see there in the top left. That spot is called the Great Red Spot. It's a storm that's been raging on the surface of Jupiter as long as we've been able to see it. Winds in the Great Red Spot can reach up to 268 miles per hour. That's like a Category 11 hurricane, right? A storm like that on Earth would be absolutely devastating. But the truth is is that it would never fit on Earth because it's twice as big as Earth, that one storm. We know a thing or two about big storms, right? Have you ever been in a huge storm? Maybe you were here when this guy, Jim Cantore, showed up. It's never a good sign, right? But those aren't the only kind of storms, right? Some of you might be in a storm of life right now. A diagnosis, an addiction, a death, a divorce, depression, a strained relationship. Storms come in all different shapes and sizes. We'll get back to that in a little bit. For now, let's say goodbye to Jupiter and let's head out a little further. We've now left our cul-de-sac, our solar system, and we're in one of the arms of the Milky Way galaxy. This is the Carina Nebula. Quite frankly, ever since we put this big screen up, I couldn't wait to put this image up there. It's beautiful. Take a moment to really appreciate the beauty of the Carina Nebula. God paints with a beautiful array of colors, doesn't he? The Carina Nebula is a visually stunning nursery for stars that currently sits about 8,500 light years from Earth. Now, you might be wondering, Nate, what's a light year, right? Feet and miles, that makes sense to me. A light year sounds like a controversial Disney movie. Distances in astronomy get really wild and big, and so astronomers had to come up with whole new terms. And so, on day one, God spoke and created light. And we are eternally grateful because without light, we wouldn't be able to see anything. Light is a pretty incredible creation in that it is the fastest thing known to man. We can't find anything faster than light. In a race between you and light, you could have the biggest head start that you want, and you're still going to lose. Because distances are so astronomically huge, they had to use light. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. Every second, 186,000 miles. And so astronomers created this thing called a light year. A light year is the distance that light travels in, you guessed it, a year. Those of you that are math nerds in the room are starting to do the math. A light year, a single light year, is 5.88 trillion miles. And the Carina Nebula is 8,500 light years away. That's almost 50,000 trillion miles away. An unfathomably huge distance. That brings us to part one of our main idea for this morning. The heavens are huge. The heavens are huge. Let's keep exploring these huge heavens a little bit. Let's go a little bit further. This is our little hometown here in the universe. This is the Milky Way galaxy. 
Little is actually a terrible word to say about the Milky Way galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy is 100,000 light years across from side to side. In other words, if the solar system, our solar system, were the size of a quarter, the Milky Way galaxy would be the size of North America. Would be the size of North America. That's 600,000 trillion miles across. If you were to travel at the speed of light, it would take you 100,000 years to get from one side to the other. At this point, you're wondering, okay, Nate, what's the deal? Right? Thanks for the beautiful pictures. Thanks for blowing my mind about how big space is, right? Someplace I'm never going to make it to. But what's the point? We're not in an astronomy class. We're at church, right? We're in a church service. The point is this. We've established this morning that the universe, the heavens above us, are huge. But why? Why? Why are they so huge? What's the purpose of the vastness of the universe? God created it. Why did he make it so big? This question has caused many to look up at the sky, to look up at the heavens, and to wonder whether or not we're alone in the universe, right? Little green men, They think that the universe is just way too big to be a home for us. If the sole purpose of the universe, the heavens, is to be a home for us, a habitat for humans, then they are right. It is way too big. But that's not the purpose of the universe. That's not the purpose of the heavens. You see, the Bible tells us what the purpose of the universe is. We find it in Psalm 19. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out to all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. The purpose of the heavens, the universe, outer space, is to stand as a billboard for God. One look up and humanity is face to face with some of the best evidence for our creator God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The Hebrew word glory is kavod, kavod. This word is related to honor, splendor, abundance, and weight. It's something, if something has great significance in our life, we say that it carries great weight, right? The heavens declare the honor and splendor and hugeness of our God. With that in mind, I love what God says to Isaiah in chapter 40, verse 12. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? We use light years, the distance light travels in a year to measure the galaxies, and God uses his hand, his fingers. One light year, two light years, three light years. Part two of our main idea for this morning. The heavens are huge, but God is the hugest. My apologies to any grammar geeks in the room. I knew I'd upset a couple of people. But truthfully, this isn't an astronomy class, and it's not an English class either. I'm teaching theology this morning. God is huge. He is bigger than anything we can imagine. 
God goes on to say in Isaiah 40, who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. I love that picture. The nations are a drop in the bucket. Dust on the scales. In the grand scheme of the universe, in light of God and eternity, even the most powerful nation on earth is nothing. You see, there's something that happens to us when we look up at the heavens. We're both mystified and humbled. While he was standing on the surface of the moon, Neil Armstrong did something that most kids like to do. Have you ever held up your thumb and blotted out something off in the distance? While standing on the moon, Neil saw something pretty close to this. He saw this image called the blue marble. This picture, the blue marble, was taken by Apollo 17. It's the first fully illuminated picture of Earth. And as Neil stood on the moon and he looked out and saw the earth, he's quoted as saying this, it suddenly struck me that that tiny pea, pretty in blue, was the earth. I put up my thumb, I shut one eye, and I blotted out the entire planet earth. I didn't feel like a giant that day. I felt very, very small. Neil Armstrong, the man that simultaneously took one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind, he didn't feel like a giant that day. He felt very small. Neil's reaction that day reminds me of what King David wrote in Psalm 8. Psalm 8, 1 through 4 says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Humanity often struggles with the height of hubris, thinking far more of ourselves than we should. We've been to the moon. We've accomplished great things. And yet scripture talks about our lives as a vapor, a dust. Here and they're gone. One look up at the heavens and is a great way of putting us in our place and breaking down some of that pride. That's what David was expressing when he wrote Psalm 8. When he looks up at the heavens and sees what God has created, he said, who am I? I am so small. And to think that he could only see a small fraction of what we can see today in 2022. Part three of our main idea for this morning, the heavens are huge, but God is the hugest, and we are so small. So, so small. We like to think that we're pretty big, we're pretty important, we're super significant, right? 
But if we're honest, all of us in our heart of hearts echo what Neil expressed that day. We often feel pretty small. Ready to feel even smaller? Years ago, astronomers took the Hubble Space Telescope and they pointed it at the darkest little patch of space that they could find. And they basically turned the zoom all the way up. They produced one of the most famous images in all of astronomy called Deep Field. Now with the James Webb Telescope, they've done it again. And this is what they produced. Each of these spots found in the darkest, tiniest little patch of black space that they could find, each one of those are galaxies containing billions of stars, some bigger, some smaller than us, but each filled with potentially billions of their own stars. Isaiah 40, 26 says, Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. A conservative estimate for the total number of stars in the known universe is around 200 billion trillion stars. That's a number so hard to wrap your brain around. If we were to try and count the stars like kids do, you know, it would take a thousand lifetimes to even start. And yet God, our huge creator God, spoke them into existence. He measures the distances between them with his hands. And he knows each one of them by name. Each and every one of them. Yes, God knows each and every star by name. But that's not all he knows by name. Isaiah 43 but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, I will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. The heavens are huge, but God is the hugest, and we are so small, but we are his masterpiece. The same God that created the universe created you, and he created me, and he sees us as his most prized possession, the pinnacle of his creation. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. We look at images like the Carina Nebula and we see this breathtaking masterpiece of God's creation. That's what God thinks when he looks at us. We, the church, are his masterpiece, his redeemed ones. The same God that knows each star by name knows you by your name. His hands that measure the galaxies are big enough to hold us and to help you through any storm that you may be facing. I don't know what battle or struggle or difficulty, what great red spot that you're facing this morning. Maybe it's addiction, depression, 
a looming divorce, a cancer diagnosis, the death of a loved one, a rebellious child, job uncertainty. I don't know what you may be facing, but I know this. When you're in a storm, it's very easy to only see the storm around you. Look up. Look up. We need a huge God to help us through the storms of life, and that's exactly who we have. Our God is huge. Our God is powerful, bigger than any storm that you may be facing in your life. I've got one last image for us this morning. This one just blows my mind. All of the images that we've seen so far, they stand as a billboard for God's greatness. This last image stands as a billboard for his love. The heavens declare the glory of God and the cross declares his love. Jesus, our creator God, came into this world to seek and save the lost, you and me. Scripture says that he was nailed to a tree that he created to pay the price for our sin. We look up at the heavens and we also look up at the cross. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We serve and worship the absolutely huge God of love and mercy who holds the entire universe in his hand, and he holds you too. You can trust him this morning. The very cosmos and the cross declare his goodness, his greatness, and his love. When's the last time you looked up? Let's pray. Father, this morning, we are mystified and humbled Yes, by the heavens, but mostly by you. Who are we that you are mindful of us? Who are we that you even care about us? And yet you do. And yet you love us. You sent your son Jesus to come and die for us. To redeem us, to save us. we will spend eternity worshiping you and thanking you, living for and with you because you are so worth it. Father, thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.